0: I think we're going to miss Michael in terms of his ability to lead worship, but not because clearly Dustin and Richie and Glenn can't do a fantastic job of leading worship. Isn't that true? That was wonderful. That was a blessing. So I really appreciate that, guys. Thanks for working hard and putting in the time that you do to do a fantastic job for us. That was, that was rich, and I appreciate it. Robin and I have been married for 35 years this year, and one of the things that I've noticed is that when you've been married for 35 years, some of the things that you bought earlier on in your life as a married couple begin to show their age, besides just the people who are part of the covenant. Like, for example, I noticed recently that we got a new popcorn popper. And we've had the same popcorn popper. We bought it, I don't know, it may have been a wedding gift. We got an air popcorn popper a long time ago, used it for all of our married lives, and recently it died, and so we had to get a new popcorn popper. And here's what I would say. I would say that the old was better. In fact, after just one use of the new popcorn popper, I said to Robin, take it back. I don't like it. Like, there were several problems with it, one of which was that you popped very little popcorn at a time, and you get just a little bit. The old one, it would overflow with popcorn. We could fill a huge bowl. Now, we have to run it about four or five times just to get enough for one person to eat. So I said, we need to take this back. This is pathetic. And that's the way some new things are. Some new things are just not as good as the old. The old was better. And you can probably think of various things in your life. You think, you know what? The old was better. Hopefully you're not thinking that about some girlfriend or something in comparison with your new spouse. But nonetheless, even though that's the case with popcorn poppers, many things are in fact better. Things are better today than they used to be in so many ways. In contrast to popcorn poppers, of which we had one for most of our married life, we had, I don't know how many toasters we've had, but it has been a bunch. And, you know, as a kid, I remember growing up, and, you know, it seems like we had one toaster the whole time. I don't, you know, I don't remember buying lots of toasters. But as a married couple, we have had numerous toasters. And then recently, about a year and a half ago, two years ago, something like that, we bought a new toaster. And this one is great. Like, it's really a nice toaster, and I can't see it going out anytime soon. It's just a better-made toaster than what we used to get. Recently, our refrigerator went out. And I'll tell you, the new one is a Cadillac in comparison to the old one. This is wonderful. You set the temperature, and it stays at that temperature. It's way more energy efficient. It's much better in terms of space design. The shelving design is way better. I love our new refrigerator. I can't imagine having... Like I remember uh, as a kid, we had a Frigidaire that had one of those pull-down handles like this on the outside, and it was shaped... It was all all round. It was white and kind of rounded on the edges. And I'm sure that in its day it did okay, but it was nothing in comparison to the refrigerator that we now have in our home, which is unbelievable. Um, car engines are so much better than they used to be. Pete Mitchell's sitting back in the back row, and if I was to, st- I, w- I won't ask you, Pete, because then you'd embarrass me. You'd say, no, they were better in the old days. But I don't think so. Okay? He works with a Chevy dealer managing the service department. And if I was to say to Pete, are the engines better today than they used to be? I think he would say, yes, they are. They last a lot longer. They're way more efficient, way better gas mileage. They're quieter, less emissions, etc., etc. The engines today are better. And let's not even talk about cell phones. Because you all know that the cell phone that's in your pocket right now and that we all should have turned off by now, that cell phone is light years better than the one that you had maybe even six months ago. It's incredible what these things will do. Sometimes the new is way better. And the fact is, I'm glad that we live in an age where new developments are not rejected simply because they're new. Because the fact is, there are elements of newness to life in Christ that are both new and better, and we would be foolish to not understand and allow the newness of Christ to impact us. So I'm glad we live in a time where we can recognize the value in some of the things that are new because they're, in many cases, better. Now, I have to admit, that's a little bit tricky to talk about things being new and better because when you do, you insinuate something about the old. You indicate that the old is old and obsolete. And when it comes to talking about religion or philosophy or something like that, we don't want to hear that. We don't like it when people start talking about The new being better. And in fact, for me to say something about the new being better, specifically in Christ, I could get in trouble with some of you because all of a sudden I could start sounding politically incorrect. Like what if I say, as I'm saying right now, what if I say the new covenant that we have in Jesus is superior to the Jewish covenant? Now, that might sound fine to us if we're Christians and we're not Jewish, but if there was a Jew sitting here today and I said to them, you know what, your faith as a Jewish person is older and obsolete, and it's made obsolete specifically by who Jesus is. Some wouldn't really like me to talk that way. And then I read the book of Hebrews, and Hebrews consistently shows the superiority of Christianity over being Jewish. Clearly. Like, there's not a contest here. When it comes to what the Hebrew writer is trying to say about the Jewish faith in comparison to Christianity, it is not even a contest. And of course, if there was a Jewish person sitting here, if there is right now, we love you. I love you. But I also want you to know about the superiority, the fulfillment that comes with the Messiah. And everything about our faith, in terms of our faith system and our philosophy and our perspective that John talked about just a moment ago. I don't mind saying that it's better. And that's simply because it's true. We can talk about car engines being brand new and being better, and it's not quite as as much of a challenge to our hearts. Nobody thinks that there's political incorrectness in talking about a new engine or a better refrigerator. But talk about faith and how Jesus is superior, and that ends up being a problem. But that's what the Hebrew writer wants to do. He just wants to talk about Jesus. And he wants to talk about Jesus over and over and over again and tell us that Jesus is superior and to say that it's simply true and that we need to acknowledge it as Christians. And the fact is, I think that he was right. I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 8 with me. I can't remember the page. I'm going to say 857 or 848, and I'm not going to be right, but at least I got a number out there. Hebrews chapter 8, and I'm going to start just reading, I want to read the first six verses here, and just listen to what the Bible says about our new high priest. The point of what we're saying is this, he says, and so you kind of get the picture that we're going to get the point here. The point of what we're saying is this, we do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by man. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices and so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer if he were here on earth he would not be a priest for there are already men who offer the gifts described by the law they serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven this is why moses was warned when he was about to build the uh, why moses warned was warned when he was about to build the t- uh, tabernacle see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain But the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one. And it is founded on better promises. And so he makes a clear claim about the superiority of the covenant of Jesus. And in fact says something specific about who Jesus is in relationship to to that which was old. And, And he says this, First of all, in talking about that which is true, new, and better. He says, we have a new high priest. A brand new one. One that makes obsolete all those other human systems and human high priests. As you read through the text, it says specifically that he sits at the right hand of God. That's one of the things that makes him better. It also says that no one else has this kind of position. And the fact is that the Son of God has the Father's ear. No one else knows the Father like He does. No one else has His status. No one else has His lordship. No one else has His glory. And so when it comes to asking the question, who are we going to worship? Who are we going to honor? We're going to honor Jesus because He is, in fact, a new high priest, better than any that had been present before, superior to any kind of Jewish high priest. He also, the Bible says, serves in a true and better sanctuary. And it's a better tabernacle and sanctuary established by God. And maybe this is the point. If this is true of Christ, it makes obsolete all that have come before, and it makes obsolete and ineffective all those who come after and again, sometimes I, you know, I can stand up here and I can say, you know, Jesus is exclusively Lord. Or the Christian faith is exclusively the faith that God wants us to follow. And people don't like hearing those words. But I think it's true. The Hebrew writer is making that claim. And if this is true, if Jesus is the one who sits at the right hand of God having been part of and built a better tabernacle in heaven, then nothing compares. There is no one else sitting in a better place. There is no one who's squeezed in there between Jesus who sits at the right hand of God and the Father. There is no more spiritual, godly, holy place than that taken by Christ. The right hand was the place of superiority. It was the place of honor. And that's his rightful place. And so he has to be acknowledged for who he truly is. And there's no room here for compromise. No room for another system. No room for another God. And especially ourselves. A third thing that's new and different is that he brings a better covenant with better promises. I want you to look at verse 7. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 7 says, For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. So obviously there's something wrong with the first covenant. But God found fault with the people. And said, the time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with the forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. Because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make. I will make it with the house of Israel. But after that time, declares the Lord, I'll put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they'll be my people. And no longer will a man teach his brother. Or a man teaches neighbor, saying, know the Lord, because they will know me, from the least of them to the greatest, for I will forgive their wickedness. I'll remember their sins no more. And so what's the basic problem with the Old Covenant? Well, essentially, it's because this covenant was unable to bring about in people real faith. And it certainly couldn't bring about in them sinlessness. And so the problem of sin and separation that has been there since the garden wasn't relieved by the old covenant. And when you put together, Paul would say from Romans 7, the old covenant with the sinful nature, you bring those two things together, and what's the production? Sin and unrighteousness and it will be that way always and forever. And so we can talk sometimes in legalistic ways in churches of Christ even. And we need to recognize that when we do, we are trying to do something that Jews couldn't do ever. And that was develop for ourselves a system or a way of living that somehow would unite us together with God. It can only happen through the grace of Jesus. It can only happen through his love. It can only happen through our faith. And so the new covenant, of which we're part now, does something that the old covenant could never do. And they could not remain faithful to the covenant they were supposed to have with God because of their sinful natures. That only in Jesus is taken away. And so there will always be separation between God and human beings if Jesus isn't somehow in the mix of relieving human beings of their sin, which actually says an awful lot about anybody today who's not in Christ. Like, again, we don't like it when I say things about how Jesus is the exclusive Lord. We also don't like it sometimes when someone tells us that we are sinful and that we're separated from God because of our sin. But the gospel is all about the high priest who came to establish a new covenant, making it possible for us to actually know him and be in relationship with him. And without that, there is a clear separation between human beings and God. And the only way that that problem is relieved is through Christ. And so to talk about another system, to talk about another way, simply leaves people on the outs. It leaves people away from God, separated from Him because of sin. And now through Jesus, a new relationship can be formed, one where hearts of human beings can be transformed by the presence of His Spirit. A new relationship now exists where God writes His law and His existence on our hearts, And he's made part of us, and we can be different, which was never possible before. Well, there's one kind of crucial truth that I want to get to this morning, and it has to do with the newness that comes in Jesus, specifically with reference to the tabernacle. Now if you're not a Christian or if you haven't read the old testament very much and you don't understand the tabernacle, the tabernacle was the place where the Jews worshiped. And they would carry it around with them. It was a portable sanctuary. And they would carry it around with them and inside it were various things that helped them worship the Lord. And so inside the tabernacle was an ark of the covenant. And inside the tabernacle was an altar. And inside the tabernacle was a candle stand. And there was one special thing about the tabernacle that separates entirely Judaism from any other faith. And that is, in the tabernacle, in fact, those of you who have seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, okay, you know what the Ark is, right? It's this big gold box. And on top of the gold box, there are some eagle-looking things that they call cherubim. And you don't see it so much in the movie, but what is it, according to the Old Testament, that happens with the Ark of the Covenant? What is it that is there just above the cherubim within the tabernacle? Do you remember? It's the presence of God. And so when we think about what the tabernacle is, In essence, more than anything else, the tabernacle wasn't just so that someone could go into the holiest of holies and make a sacrifice and forgive sins. More than anything else, the tabernacle was designed by God to be the place where he became present to people. And for the Jews, it was never complete it never really worked. Rather than having the nation changed and the people's hearts changed and for them to be completely different because they met God in the tabernacle, instead, they pretty much continued to live the way they had always lived. But what happens with the coming of Jesus? The Hebrew writer says that there is a new tabernacle the heavenly original after which the other is simply a shadow a model and it's in this tabernacle the true tabernacle that something happens well what happens it's the same thing that was supposed to happen from the beginning Because it's in this new tabernacle in Jesus Christ that we, what? Come into the presence of God. And so the new covenant and the new tabernacle that is present in Jesus is superior because this is the only place that we finally as human beings can come to know who God is. That we can be in His presence in a way that completely surpasses and makes obsolete any other way of trying to be in God. And so the fourth thing is simply this. The most important part of what is new is that there is that here we meet God. God dwells here. It's not just the laws of God that are written on our hearts, but God's presence. The reality of God is planted within us. We meet Him in Christ in a way that is superior to every claim made by any other faith system, including the Jewish faith. Here we come to know God. And so look at chapter 8, verse 11. Isn't this exactly what it says happens with the new covenant? No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. It tells you what God wants for us. It tells you what God wants to happen with humankind. Where he wants us to go. And and the fact is, isn't this why, isn't this exactly why we're Christian? And why we're sitting here today instead of sitting somewhere else. Isn't it because we want to know God? Isn't it because we say, Lord, I want to know you. I want to understand who you are. It's not just that I want to be forgiven. I do want to be forgiven. But it's not just that I'm trying to avoid hell. I'm not trying to avoid eternal damnation. It's not the avoidance of eternal damnation we want. It's the eternal life with Christ that we want. We can live eternally with God. And Jesus is the one who makes this possible. And so I don't want to be a Buddhist because Buddhism doesn't include Christ. I don't want to be a Muslim because Islam doesn't include Christ as the eternal high priest of God who sits at God's right hand. Without Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of God serving as a high priest in a new tabernacle under a new covenant, my sins are not forgiven. Without Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of God serving as a high priest in a new tabernacle under a new covenant, I don't have a new heart on which God's laws are written. Without Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of God, serving as a high priest in a new tabernacle under a new covenant, I don't have the Spirit of God living within me, transforming me. Without Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of God, serving as a high priest in a new tabernacle under a new covenant, not all things are made new. Creation is not being transformed so that all that's death-like is being overcome by life. And without Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of God, serving as a high priest in a new tabernacle under a new covenant, I cannot meet God. I can't know Him. And I want to know God. If you've not put your life into the hands of this new high priest, you're making the biggest mistake of your life. You will remain in your sins. You will live with an old, unrenewed heart. You'll live without the Spirit. You will live where death reigns. And you can't know God. And He wants to know you. Because this real transformation, this change, us becoming new, only happens with this one. In this new covenant, this new thing that Jesus did. It's the only way. You know, two of my favorite movies are Finding Forrester and Goodwill Hunting. Both of which, unfortunately, are filled to the top with the F word. It's a sad thing. You have to watch a movie and get so much out of it, and yet you have to listen to that constantly. But you watch these two movies, and they're both talking about young men who were completely off the rails, and then something happens to completely change their lives and turn them completely around. And they're given, each, in each case, completely new starts. They can become completely different people because of the circumstances that now come into their lives. And this is exactly the way we are. That without Jesus bringing this into our lives through this new covenant, we would just remain Hopeless without any potential, any real possibility of doing anything wonderful. And the fact is, is that that you were that kid needing redemption. I was that kid needing to be saved. And Jesus does that through a new and better covenant. And we have to cling to him. He is the only way that something new and wonderful can happen in our lives. We're, we're looking at tenacious faith this year. Faith in what? Like sometimes people act as though you can have some strong will or some tenacious attitude and it's just a great thing to be so tenacious. But tenacious about what? Tenacious about your new refrigerator? No, we're tenacious about the new covenant that comes in Jesus and it comes nowhere else. He is the new high priest who brings this new covenant and allows us to have relationship with God. And so I want to implore you today to hold tenaciously to faith in Christ. If you don't know him. He is the answer to everything. And you need to know him. Love to have you come and talk to me about that. And if you do know him. Never let him go. He's the answer to all there is. He's the one who brings all this newness into our lives. And changes everything. Let's pray. Lord, we acknowledge you today as Lord. We acknowledge you, Jesus, as the one who sits at the right hand of the Father. We acknowledge you as the one who brings this new and living covenant. We acknowledge you as the one who lives within our hearts through the presence of the Spirit. We acknowledge you as the truth of the universe. There is none like you. There is nothing else, God, that stands next to you and your Son, And so help us, Father, to deliver our own hearts and lives up to you. Help us to accept who you are and to live fully in this new covenant that you've given us in Jesus. We pray these things through Christ. Amen.